Thank God for the Lord's Day. Amen. What other day of the week do you look this good at 9.30 in the morning? <laughs> I really, I like the Lord's Day. Amen. That was a good Sunday school, Brother Howard. Amen. I really enjoy that. Listen to your, everybody read the, the different parts and stuff. I, I realized that we, we have some hidden talent. Uh, your pastor's wife, she has that voice for children's stories, doesn't she? She does. Now, if, if I could do a voice, uh, I would do Hank the Cow Dog. <laughs> now, now, Brother Howard, I, I'm a gentleman. I, know, I can keep my boundaries. I stay in place. But I saw two CDs of Hank the Cow Dog and... Did my devotionals a couple of times with that, and uh, I especially like the cat. What is that cat's name? What is it, Pete? Pete. Yeah. Hi, Hanky. <laughs> I, I love listening to that. <laughs> I better behave. When I start missing my wife so much, I get goofy. So I've probably been missing her all week, huh? <laughs> Amen. Thank the Lord. Well, I'm going to ask us to go to John chapter 2, Gospel according to John. Amen. I want to encourage you to go to camp cleanup week. It's very encouraging to see everybody there. Some people have said, well, I, don't, I had plans. Well, make that be part of your plans. Just some advice of somebody who's been stuck there almost by himself sometimes. Uh, I was telling Brother Lucky yesterday when he had us over for that wonderful meal. Sister Lucky, she cooked. He didn't even wash dishes, I heard. And uh, <laughs> when, <laughs> when I was being interviewed... For ordination at the orders and relations meeting and those guys can get going I'll tell you and get pretty goofy too but uh, they uh, they uh, they asked me one of the members of the board asked me said brother Pettis how important is it for you to be at camp cleanup week the question kind of set me back a little bit because I mean I know I support but I didn't even know what to say seriously so my moderator stood up for me and, uh, and he leans over and says, man, let me tell you something. Brother Pettis' car is the first one in and the last one out of camp cleanup. Brother Pullen from Canada leans over and says, Brother Pettis, what kind of car do you drive? <laughs> it ain't the car. So you want to go to that. One of the things I've told you that I've done my many things that I've tried to do for the Lord's. I've cooked a couple of camps. There's one thing I do not like to do when I cook. I don't like to bake cakes. I just don't. I never know when they're done. I take them out, and they're not done yet. Everything just goes, just falls flat. And sometimes I try to wait. I see it brown at the top, pull it out, burnt at the bottom. I just don't know when they're done. So I just don't cook. I don't bake pie, cakes. I just don't bake cakes. So uh, this morning, I have a new message for you, and I'm going to take it out of the oven and see if it's ready. 
you all have been very, very patient with, so I'm going to dare to, to, to preach this message to you this morning, and, and I hope to, one of the things I, I, I like, here's my disclaimer, okay, um, preaching it is not just something I do, it's who I am. This is who I am, at home, everywhere, and uh, so it's, it's, it's not hard for me to be myself. And you've allowed me to do that. You've allowed me to be myself, and I appreciate that. And so if we, you received anything edified, just give God the glory. Had it not been for God, I would not be here. I'd be lost in the world just like my other brothers and sisters that today are out there chasing the mighty dollar, living in misery. That's the way they live. One of my sisters, and they're very, very wealthy, they own a construction company, not just like a local thing. And one day she calls me and she's crying, weeping, and she says, well, we're in, I think it was Cancun, they were at vacationing, and she's crying. I said, boy, you're on vacation, why are you crying? Well, Matthew, my husband, we got an argument right after we got here, so I just rented me another room, and so we're in separate rooms for about three days, and you know, should be going back home here in a couple of days, so. I said, wow, what a vacation. And uh, I may not know what it's like to have their money, but I don't know what it's like to have their misery. I don't know. God makes me happy whether all I have is beans or steak. I'm happy. I'm happy. Let's stand. John chapter 2, Gospel according to John, verses 1 through 11. Now we're about to read... The beginning of Jesus' public ministry, he, he does perform his, his first miracle at a wedding. And I'm going to be talking about the, the home. And the third day there was a marriage in Cana of Galilee, and the mother of Jesus was there. And both Jesus was called and his disciples to the marriage. And when they, want, when they wanted wine, the mother of Jesus said unto him, They have no wine. Jesus said unto her, Woman, what have I do to do with thee? Mine hour is not yet come. His mother said unto the servants, Whatsoever he saith unto you, do it. And there were set three six water pots of stone after the manner of the purifying of the Jews, uh, containing two or three uh, firkins apiece. Jesus said unto them, Fill the water pots with water. And they filled them up to the brim. And he said unto them, Draw out now and bear unto the governor of the feast. And they bear it. When the ruler of the feast had tasted the water that was made wine, and knew not whence it was, but the servants which threw the water knew, the governor of the feast called the bridegroom and said unto him, Every man at the beginning doth set forth good wine. And when men have well drunk, they that which worse, but thou hast kept the good wine until now. I'm going to go ahead and stop there, and I want to talk to you about the biblical way to handle trouble in paradise. The biblical way to handle trouble in paradise. Here are three things. First of all, be assured, conflict will come. Trouble will come. This couple wasn't even off to their honeymoon yet. 
and they already had an issue. We're going to look at some things that had to be in order in order for them to solve that. Uh, one of the steps is Jesus must be invited. He is a gentleman. He will not break down your door and say, I'm here to solve all your problems. I'm here to help you. You and I have to invite him into our everyday issues. He has to be invited. The third, we must do what he says. Do as he says. Just follow his instructions. That's all it takes. Amen. Uh, I'll ask our pastor one more time to pray for us. Lord, we're thankful today to be gathered here in your precious name, to feel your presence, Lord, that you've come to help us. Lord, you have truth for each one of us, and we pray that you help us to open our heart to receive the truth. Touch Brother Perez now in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. It is through the life of holiness in the believer that Jesus is able to be seen in the home. He lives in us. He works through us. And uh, he allows us to follow and uh, holiness allows us to imitate his example in the conflicts of life. And here we see that uh, uh, weddings were an extremely important in, in the Jewish society. Not only as a great social event, but uh, also because of their understanding of God's, uh, they call it the betrothal, the engagement time. And uh, they related this to their relationship with Israel. And marriage was a reflection of that relationship and and therefore a central focus of, of celebration. Alfred Erdman records this in the book, The Life and Times of Jesus the Messiah, says this. A man and woman were legally bonded in marriage at their betrothal. Is that how you pronounce a betrothal? Okay, the engagement, you know that. But they would not enjoy the physical benefits of the marriage until after the wedding ceremony. This could take up to, up to about a year. The betrothal was similar to our engagements, but it was legally binding. It could not be broken except by death or divorce. The betrothal period allowed the man time to prepare for the taking on the responsibilities of having a wife. Just a year? Ooh, needed more than that. You can easily conclude from this that there was great planning and preparation made for the Jewish wedding. Depending on the wealth available, uh, there might be uh, servants hired uh, uh, to help with the, the planning and preparation and serving at the feast, or uh, mostly us, we just get friends and family to help out. That's what we do. But uh, those of you that have been involved in weddings, you know that uh, uh, there are things that happen that are Comical and some things happen that are tragical at weddings. This was a tragic altogether because of the symbolisms that were involved in the wine. You see, the wine, uh, to them, it was, a, it was a, a symbol. It was a symbol of God's blessing. The wine was a single symbol of God's blessing. And to run out of wine was a deep reproach. It showed lack of preparation it showed lack of commitment to interest in, 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 in the ceremony itself. So it was deeply, deeply embarrassing. It wasn't just a thing. And, uh, 
And so here we find that this uh, this couple, we can only imagine all the preparation that had gone and, and, and the getting the, the, uh, the whole thing ready. And, uh, and, you know, we all expect the best, but something, sometimes things happen. And in this case, this is where Jesus started his ministry. This is where he performed his first miracle. And so we find that uh, uh, no marriage is without conflicts. Things will happen. The difference we find here is in how they were willing to solve the issue. The issue was, like I said, they ran out of wine. Uh, we find that uh, this was a problem, like I said. But uh, in, in, it says, in the, And when they wanted wine, the mother of Jesus said unto them, They have no wine. She was the one that brought the bad news. This is what's happening. I think this leads us to believe that somehow she was in charge of, of the preparation of the wedding. She was somehow an organizer, and maybe that's how Jesus was invited to this wedding. But here he was. And uh, see, nobody plans for tragedy. Nobody plans for uh, adverse situations or conflict. But God does have an experience for the believer that allows him to be prepared to handle any conflict that comes his or her way. And you see, like I said, the marriage, it's a miracle and it works. Because we are so different. Two worlds come clashing together and somehow we're going to have to make it work. And God has allowed us the experience of holiness to, to make that a reality. I was talking last Sunday about differences. My wife are, and I are very different. I come from a family of 10. Talk about a highly dysfunctional family. Highly Dad was uh, a man that he raised us the way he was raised. And, and in the Spanish culture, uh, maybe not so much now, but in the more traditional sense, the father uh, is very careful not to show affection towards his children. Seriously. I never knew my father to give me a hug voluntarily. I never heard him say, I love you. Uh, nothing like that. One day I asked him as a little lad, I said, Dad, do you love me? He said, do you have food on the table? I said, yes, that shows I love you. If I didn't, I'd let you start, boy. <laughs> well, thanks. Appreciate that. So I grew up kind of in a lacking of recognition, of affection. That should, I'm just being honest with you. That's where I grew up. Now, my wife, totally opposite. Her family is three girls. Three girls and their mom, my mother-in-law. I love, if she's listening, I love my mother-in-law. And she, she is, um, she's so good with their daughter. She's always, even till now, always hugging on them, kissing on them, calling them all the time. I love you. I'm praying for you and this and that. And, and uh, you know, I'm not used to that. I'm, I'm not used to that. And so... She has always grown up the assurance of love. She knows she's loved, doesn't need to be reminded or confirmed. I, on the other hand, I need to hear it. There's times I say, honey, it's 11 o'clock. You haven't told me you love me. <laughs> well, you know I love you. Of course I know, but I want to hear it. Come on, say it. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm not a sissy. <laughs> but just who I am, I, we're different. 
And if I go, she goes all day without telling me I love you. I, I remind her, hey, what happened? You haven't said that I love you all day. Okay, I love you. Don't roll your eyes if you're going to say it. That kills it. That kills it. And so uh, I'm always uh, in, in, in the need of, of that. And, and because I understand myself, I think others are like that. So I'm always telling her I love her all the time. Bringing her flowers. See, I kind of personify myself in her. So if I was her, I want somebody to tell me you love me all the time. So I kind of sometimes you're like, yes, I know you love me. Because she hears it so much. But we're so different. Very different. And so uh, here they, they are and, and problems, situ- a situation arises. There's, a, there, there, there's, a, there's something uh, that they didn't invite, but it came. And you see, in, in you and I, the, uh, there are things that are going to come, but it is holiness that allows us to deal with these things. Right. Problems will come. Problems arise. And you know, I can name a few, but uh, like I said, it, God wants to make us an example of holiness in the home. Amen. You remember when... Uh, I think they came to Philip and they said, look, we would see Jesus. We want to see Jesus. Do you know our children need to see Jesus in the home? Did you know that's the, their greatest need is to see Jesus in the home? And uh, we need to remember that. That with all that we do, we want people to see the godliness that God gives us. A kindergarten teacher was observing her classroom as As children drew pictures, the teacher would occasionally walk around and see each child's artwork. As she approached one little girl who was working especially hard, she asked what the drawing was. The little girl told her, I'm drawing God's. But sweetie, the teacher replied, no one actually knows what God looks like. Automatically, the little girl continued and said, well, they will certainly find out in a minute. You're going to tell them what God is like. In every situation, that is your highest priority. That no matter the situation, uh, you know, it's, it's like they've turned it into a cliche. What would Jesus do? But you know that's true. And did you know that it works? And did you know that in God's preventive grace, he gives to us, he gives us time to, 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 to look ourselves over and think of the best way to react and then submit to it instead of our own selfish way? You got to push self out of the way. Self is a center. And see, there, there, are, there are many things that will come, and, and I named a few, and I'm not going to have much time, but uh, uh, finances, money. Do you know that's the biggest reason people get divorced? It's over money. It's money. Not enough of it or too much of it. It's always money. It's money. And can I, can I cautiously, I, I've been cautioned. They said, well, somebody told me, uh, uh, we like your preaching, but could you kind of even it out? Every time you start with the lady, I, I pastor this lady, it's, it's a carnality illustration. How about some men here? How about, how about that? <laughs> But God has ordained it in, 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 in the way in our family. And uh, you, typically we know that the man is a breadwinner. He brings home the bacon. In Spanish is la papa. That means... How oh, is that funny, sister? <laughs> it just seems like we, God put it on us. We are make sure our, our, our family gets to eat. 
He's made us stronger. I know you don't believe that anymore, but he has. There are certain things in us that just enable us to be able to go out, bust our backs, and, and put food on the table. Okay? And I believe that it is our concern. Now, when you have a family, you know, one of the things we deal with a lot with the Spanish is to try to teach our, our ladies that to let the man go and work and you take care of the children. Take care of the kids. They don't need to grow up with the babysitter's mentality. Because all they're going to do is stick them to a television and, and, and there goes your child. So we, are, we, are, we, we feel that ordained God has ordained the woman to, to, to care after our treasures, our little treasures, our children. It's her job to teach them the principles and, and all the things that they're going to need to, to not only to make it to heaven, but, a, but to survive in a perverse society. That's what a privilege. But then, uh, and, and you can be offended by this. If, you've, if, you're, if you get offended, I'll forgive you, okay? But there's just something that happens when a woman starts bringing on her own paycheck. Something happens to them. I'm sorry, that's my observation. You have a right to yours. There's just something that it, 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 it does something. I, I remember uh, uh, dealing with different issues uh, with couples that were having issues. And that was all, most of the time a common denominator. Well, that's my money. I, I bring home money too, you know. You can't decide everything. I, I can do it too. My money too. And something begins to warp out of shape. And many times, I, we've sat with them in their living room and tried to explain to them, if you're going to do that, if you feel forced to do that, you must keep it under the blood. And keep yourself in line, in place. Or else things get all warped up. Something, I don't know why. And maybe I'm just telling you what I have seen in my counseling, marital counseling and, uh, with our people. The minute they bring home a paycheck, they, you know, they may not, they may be wearing skirts, but they got, they're, they're wearing pants. And their hearts are wearing pants. Want to call the shots, want to do this, want to do that. All of a sudden, that humility and that just lining up with God's perfect plan, just not that important anymore. It's gotten to the point in some cases where the, the wife has had her own bank account and her husband her own bank account and they borrow each other money. They lend each other money. I kid you not. This is what we've had to deal with. That's what I'm talking about. I'm not talking about you if you're working, you know, you do your thing. I'm telling you what I'd have to deal with. And then and all of a sudden, they got two different bank accounts. And then you pay those bills, and I pay these bills. And the whole thing's begin to be, and, and here come all the problems. Here come. Lack of money, and sometimes even the abundance of money could be a problem. Now, one of the other things, I would elaborate on that, but I'd like to be invited back. <laughs> Here's another problem. Third-party involvements. Whoo! Raise your hand if you're a mother-in-law. Come on, come on, be honest. Hi, you're somewhere going like this. No, come bring it up. I'm going to be nice to you. Man, you ought to want to admit it. If I would have said, who has beautiful grandchildren? You're like, <laughs> mother-in-laws get a bad reputation. And uh, ladies, if you're not a mother-in-law now, you're, you're going to be one one day. 
and just automatically know that you're going to, you already come with a bad reputation of being nosy, intrusive, authoritative, and trying to raise grandchildren like as if they were your own. Yeah, Brother Pettis, did you go there? I did. <laughs> My mother-in-law is a sanctified mother-in-law, and I don't have any issues with her. She knows her place. She knows her place. Has she tried a couple of times to uh, help me uh, instruct my children? Yes, but she's found out that she's not welcome there. You've already raised yours. Let me raise mine. You see, grandpa love is not a very discerning love. Something, when we become grandpas, they just turn to mush. Just mush. Everything's fine. Everything's cute. It's all right. And we parents are like, ah, how could my kid do that? Oh, she's the little baby. Yeah, to you. It's my responsibility to raise him up. You're going to be gone one day. I'm going to be stuck with that. <laughs> Unwanted advice. Getting in, getting involved. You're going to have a bad reputation, mothers, mother-in-laws. You hear about that man that he... Uh, he wanted to take his family out uh, camping, and the mother-in-law, his mother-in-law had to be staying with him, and they didn't want to take her. I said, no, just the family, just us. We're not going to let her stay. You know, we, I just want our little, oh, honey, she's really wanting to go camping, too. Well, I know she does, but this is our little thing. She can wait for us. No, would you please reconsider? All right, we're going to take her, but she's going to get her own tent on the, on the other over there, the other side. So she was happy. Mother, you get to go with us. We're going camping, blah, blah, blah. They get there, and she's got her own little tent out there, and they have the family tent here. Well, something begins to happen in the middle of the night. They hear, Rawr! And so they come out of their tents, and they look over. A bear had gone into her tent, and there was a battle going on. I'm talking WrestleMania. <laughs> One minute the bear's winning, the other minute the mother-in-law's winning. It was a fight to the finish. So they look over and, 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 and the, the girl, the, his wife is like, quick, honey, get the shotgun, get the shotgun. So he brings the shotgun, but he doesn't know what to do. And she's like, shoot the beast, shoot the beast. And he said, okay, I'll do that, but what if I hit the bear? <laughs> Zoe. I keep reminding that holiness has ethics. Ethics keeps us all in line. So here, not only did they have a problem, they had a real problem. Like I said, uh, this, 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 uh, this wine was a symbol of God's blessing. And uh, we have a responsibility in the eyes of God to be a blessings to others in their marital situations. Not to, I didn't say nosy. I said to be a blessing. One of the things I saw when we were in, in Desert Storm, Desert Shield, before we, we'd already came back, we were about to hop in the airplane and get back to the United States. And, and uh, it, there was a little town next to the base where we were at. And, and we would always stand at, at the towers and look over 
And we had our interpreter with us, and I saw a gathering of people. And gatherings of people usually make us nervous when in that setting. So we called the interpreter and said, what's going on over there? And the way they were dressed, uh, he said, that it's a wedding. It's, it's, a, it's a traditional wedding they're having. And I, I kept looking, and, and I saw that all of a sudden, out of the crowd, a, a certain select number of people came out of the crowd, and they performed, they, they built, a, they, they made a circle, complete circle. And that circle was the bride and the groom. And uh, somebody come over, dressed very, very nicely, and presented each a golden cup, a beautiful cup, each one. And uh, the, I was watching this, and I told the interpreter, and tell us what's going on. And he said, oh, this is the most beautiful thing, most beautiful celebration in our culture is the wedding. And so they would, they would pass this cup around. This person, the groom would give it to the person to the right and the, and the bride to the left. And everyone we noticed that was in that circle, it was about 12 to 13 people, had a little pouch and they took a little pinch of something and they put it in the, in, in the, in the cup and then, and then, and then they, they, they passed it on. And it went all the way around this way, all the way around and the cups came right back to them. And as they began to drink it, each, I told, I said, what, what is happening? What are they putting in there? They said, it's cinnamon. They put cinnamon, mixture of cinnamon and sugar. And so now they are going to drink that. They're going to drink that drink. And he said, what they're saying to the bride and the groom is, count on me to sweeten up your relationship. Good. Count on me. They were making a, a pact. They were making a covenant with that couple that if they never ever needed anything, they would be there for them. And that was the, the circle of friendship, of love, and of support. Can I tell you that in, 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 in the marriage, we are to be a blessing to each other. It's not just for right when we get married. This is a continued commitment that God allows us to have a relationship where God is able to be the center of it and happiness, it's his natural extract. The fruits of the Spirit. And so here, uh, whoever was wise enough, they, they invited Jesus. And he comes and he, and he finds this, this problem. And, 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 and the first thing Mary says, uh, his mother says, here's the instruction. Do whatever he tells you to do. The problem with some of the issues we have is we want to handle them ourselves the way we want to do it. And uh, we, like I said, holiness does not give you perfect discernment. And you're liable to make a mistake. You're liable to be wrong. So the best thing to do is take the whole situation in the light of your experience in holiness. What is the best thing to do? What is the best way to handle this situation? Instead of Straighten up and say, this is the way we're going to do it. This is the way it's going to go down. This is what, wait, there is no hurry. Problems can be very complex and can have very serious consequences unless we know how to handle them. Sometimes we've had issues, my wife and I, that we, they, and we lay them and say, let's just pray about it and we'll talk about it again tomorrow. You pray about it, let's just pray. And we come back and we deal with it. We're disagreeing on something. I firmly agree this is the way it should be. And can I tell you, when there's no principle involved, I'm flexible. Very flexible. Very flexible. When there's principle involved, there's nothing to pray about. So saith the Lord, I'm sorry, that's not up for, that's not up for um, debate. 
It's not. Many times we found ourselves having to make choices and, and we found on different sides of, of the issue. One, one time we were, we, we were debating about, as my daughter Samantha began to, began to get taller and taller, some of the skirts she was wearing, they, they were not the, the length that I would like as, as her dad. And I do have a right to say that. I do have a right. And my wife said, well, maybe she can wear it one more time. I said, she is not walking out that door with that skirt on like that. Well, it's, it's even, I mean, it really doesn't have to do with the manual or anything like that. I said, I'm not talking about a manual. I'm talking about me, and she's not going out dressed like that. Can she go out just today? Could this be the last time that she wears it? She is not walking out the door with that skirt on. Would you be a little bit more flexible in this? I said, I will, after she changes her skirt. Many times my daughter, as she's older now, she has thanked me so much. Said, Dad, Dad, thank you for not letting me go there. We go to places, other places outside of where we're at, and they begin to look, and then all of a sudden my, I start seeing it. Whoa, 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 wait a minute. Where'd you get that? We're not doing that. You said, Brother Pettis, does God care about how I'm dressed? Of course he does. He is highly interested in the outward manifestations of grace. Deeply interested. From the beginning. Look at Genesis. Okay. They sinned. Adam and Eve sinned. They were taken out of the Garden of Eden. And, 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 and when they found out, when they felt their, their sinfulness and their shame, they made an attempt. They took, they took some leaves and they covered themselves up. God says, ah, uh, that's not good enough. You need to cover up. So does God really care? Of course he does. He's interested. Look at the garments of the, of the priest. Look at all that, how much detail, how interested he is in, in our outward adornment as his children. He is deeply interested. It's not just something we dreamed up. It's not something we're trying to control people. This is a principle. And not only that, but, it, it, you know, sometimes there are conflicts and attitudes. I remember one day, uh, uh, I, I think I gave Samantha something, and, or I took something from her. She goes, oh, stop. I said, whoa, 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 whoa. Where'd you get that? The little attitude, the way you just spoke. I, I've heard that, but I've never heard you talk like that. What? I didn't say anything. Yes, you did. And my wife's listening to this. Uh-oh. <laughs> she does what we always do. She stays out of it. She does not get involved. She just watches me take care of it. And if she doesn't agree, we're going to talk in there, not out here. She's not going to confront me in front of my daughter when I'm trying to correct her. Not going to do it. That's our rule. We don't do it. I may be doing it wrong, but we're going to talk about it there. And if I have to apologize or make a correction, I will gladly do it if I have to. But right now, I'm dealing with this. And I said... And I told her, you, you need to change your attitude. I don't like the way you talk to me, sweetie. I just don't. I'm sorry. It's not you. I don't even know why. And then one day, I'm, I'm, I'm coming out of my office, and, and I hear there's a story being played. And I hear the same little attitude. I run over there, and I said, what, what are you listening to? Odyssey. Now, I'm not going to preach against Odyssey. Stop. It's <laughs> all we need. This guy's going to blow up Odyssey, too. Next is hack the cow dog. Now we can't hear anything. <laughs> but something was happening to her. She was adapting. She was imitating that little voice, a little attitude. 
And I said, we're not listening to that anymore. I don't like the effect it's having on you. And so we're, first, when I talked to her, my wife didn't say a word. And she later told me, I wanted to tell you to just be careful. Don't overdo it. But then when I heard the same thing you heard on that, it's affecting our little girl. We love you, but no more odyssey. Sorry. She didn't whimper. She didn't cry. She didn't. She'd come back and say, Daddy, you're right. I, I, I was starting to talk like that. And, and, but see, Dad, she said, the problem is that they talk like that to their parents and they yell out and then they get saved. And then they said, well, you can't talk to me whether you're saved or not saved. You can't talk to me like that, period. I don't care if you're not saved or saved. You don't have the right to talk to me like that. They're teaching, because you're not saved, you're allowed to talk to your parents like that. Eh, not in my home. Ain't going to happen. And that's teaching them that they can have these attitudes against their parents and others because they're not saved. I understand at the end of the story, they get saved and they apologize. Wonderful. But they don't have permission to talk to us like just because they're not saved. I'm talking about things that can cause friction. And then my wife came to me and said, I almost talked to you about the way you're talking to her, but man, you're right. That is happening. And she went and sat down with her, sweetie, do you understand daddy's concern? Yes, mommy. Do you understand? I have to take all those things out of your room. Yes, mommy. I understand. And we find ways to make things work to the honor and glory of God. This wasn't something that, that was something mine or, or she insulted my ego or, or she. No, no, no. There's a, there's a principle here. And I've seen some attitudes that, man, that they should scare us as Christian parents. That we allow our children to talk to us the way they do. Do you remember when we were little? We weren't allowed, brother. My dad controlled us just his looks. If he said, take up the trash, like I said, he hadn't even said the word ash, and I was already on the garbage can. And now, I'll, get a, I'll do it when I get around to it. Get the trash. I'll get it later. Do this. Well, why do I have to do it? She didn't do it before. Why, why do I have to do everything? Why doesn't she ever ask? She's doing something. I was doing something the other. Shh. You do what you're told, sir, ma'am. That's what you do. So there's difference in, in, in how we're going to handle those situations. You're being too harsh. Or you're not being harsh enough. How do, you, how do you find the common ground? First of all, you step out of self. Step out of self. And you get in and you look at what would God do in this situation. Is this a, would this be a concern to God? Let's look at some biblical principles. Yes, it would be. Then it's done. That's the way we're going to go. It's when, well, that's not the way my mama raised me. Well, she could have done a better job then. I'm talking about conflict. These are real things that happen to real families. But there's a real help. There's a real God that wants to step in and solve it. We just invite him. If we just ask him to come in and show us how to, how to, how to carry out this wonderful thing he calls the Christian home. You know, when the home is strong, the church is strong, the community is strong. And that's why the devil is after the home. Will problems come? Of course they will. Who are you going to try to glorify in your problem? 
Notice that Mary doesn't take charge of the situation. She said, talk to him. Do everything Jesus tells you. There's nothing wrong with a can-do-it attitude. There's nothing wrong with having initiative. But there's something wrong when you try to get ahead of God. And try to come across as God as the final authority when you do not have it. It takes two sanctified people working together and honoring God in all that we do. Then our children look at that and say, man, I want a Christian home. This is good. Can sometimes things get heated? Of course they can. You've been there and I've been there. But at the end of the day, self must, we must come down that he can be lifted up. By the way, the, the Christian, the, the family altar is a very good place for you, dad, to get a pulse of the spiritual of your family. Right. I asked my children to testify. Good. Samantha, give us a testimony, sweetie. When they were little, it was different. If Isaac was saved, Samantha was saved. If she was sanctified, oh, he, she was sanctified too. If he was backslidden, oh, she'd backslidden, yeah. She's kind of following his lead. <laughs> but now I have to worry about individually. I have to make sure that my kids are benefiting. I want this home to be the home that they want. And, and making sure that they know that they are loved is one of our responsibilities. Can I tell you something? When I first read the story of the prodigal son, can I tell you I wasn't impressed? I'm serious. Brother, I was not impressed. I began to read the story. I was like, okay, this kid thinks he's, he's Mr. Hot Potato. And, and, he, and he takes the money that, and he takes off and he makes a mistake. And he realizes he's done wrong. Been there, done that, got the t-shirt. I've done that. I was like, that's not impressing me. And I kept reading and reading. But all of a sudden I got to the other point. Where the father. I said, that was not a Mexican household. Because <laughs> dad would not be puckered up waiting to kiss to hug me. He'd have a belt on one hand and a tongue lashing in the mouth. What happened now, Mr. Prodigal? Give me all my, my rights. Give me my belongings. You left out of here pretty sharp, didn't you? What, what, look at you now. Did you learn something, boy? Come on, let's go. Teach you a little lesson. <laughs> That's. If that was my dad, that's what he would have done. Now I said, thank you, Father, I deserve it. Start the whipping. But let me in. I smell like pig. But this father, somehow, somewhere, he made sure that that kid knew that he loved him. What did he, how did he do it? We don't know. We don't know what all he did. Maybe it was the atmosphere he created at home with his wife and kids. That that boy walked out and out there in the pig pen, out there in sin, he said, but there's love on my father's house. Is there love in your house? I'm talking genuine, sincere love. I don't know what he did. Maybe he does what you and I do, sit down with our kids and find out how they're doing. Give them attention because if you don't, somebody else will. Sit down with them. You know, I'm, I just got done teaching my son how to drive. I tell you, I found out so many things about my son by just going out driving with him and going to the secondhand stores. Things that I never thought bothered him, concerned him. He's bringing all this stuff. I was like, wow, Isaac, really? Yeah, Dad, I've thought about that. Hmm. Okay. Well, here's the principle. 
Here's what God thinks about that stuff. And just molding and talking and, 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 and being there for them. That father, I don't know what he did, but that boy said, I'm a wreck, but I know that if I make my way back home, dad loves me. He's going to forgive me. He's going to take me back. He knew that. So somehow that home was able to work to where that boy, as bad as he was, as a horrible decision as he made, he went on back, humbly this time, and the father, he found in his father what he knew was there. Love. This is a father that did his homework. You know, Dad, don't be too busy. Don't be too busy where you don't have time to sit with your kids and talk to them, weep with them, whatever. Listen to some of their nonsense. It talked about dating and this and that. I, I know of a pastor that his boy would say, well, I th- you know, boy was only eight years old and he's all got crushes on every girl in church and beyond. <laughs> You're not allowed to have crushes. Dad, how are you going to stop that? <laughs> Hello? Manage it. Talk to him about the danger. Give him instructions instead of, you can't, have, you can't have any feelings. I forbid you to have feelings. No crushes, okay? You can tell him not to date. You can watch that as much as you can. But you can only help them and mold them in there. One, one of the things that I, 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 I'm learning from raising teenagers. You know, we get a lot of books on how to raise children, huh? Raising children for Christ and, and, and holiness. I like to see a book raising teenagers for holiness. Right. <laughs> if you have one, I'd love to read it. <laughs> you notice there's one like that. Raising your children. Yeah, I got it. I can do that because I call the shots, I control. But you get them when they're 16, 17, 15. When all of a sudden in them is, is that independent spirit. That God, did you know God gave them that? Did you know that? That's a sign that they're not supposed to stick around your home till they're 40. God gave them that. All of a sudden they're going to feel like, hey, I need to get my own place. I need to start doing my own things. There's no sin in that. You know, we've been experiencing that since they were little. I remember I used to tie Isaac's shoes, and, and as he got older, I got it. He's like, whoa, okay, fine, do it yourself then. I'll do this, I'll do that, I'll do that. It, this, they become independent. There's no sin in that. That's a natural process. And then they get up to 14, 15, and there's some changes going on in them that they don't even understand. They don't even understand why they feel the way they do. That's the time we as parents step in, try to guide them through that labyrinth of change where they don't even know why they feel the way they do. Or they no longer feel the way they did, why they're changing. They don't know. So don't judge them. Don't get in. You, you ought to know, boy, you grew up. Yes, yes, yes. But there's changes happen that they don't even understand. A lot of these conflicts in the home come out of that process. We, our little treasures are growing up to, to be adults, to be teens, and, and one day they're going to be out. And we may call the shots now, but there's going to be a time where we wave goodbye. You say, God, I hope everything I did, I hope every, everything I invested in that works once they get out the door. And we just hold on in prayer. But there are things you and I can do every day to make the Christian home, very attractive to them. There are things we can do every day. 
my kids, and I'm not bragging, and, I'm, and I say my, I, I'm not trying to be, send, I'm not trying to be braggadacious in any way. I'm just telling you my life. My kids, if my wife were in the kitchen, and I said, hey, did you guys look at that new frame? No, we're not turning around because y'all are going to kiss, and we know it. <laughs> Once you get us turned around, that's what you're going to do. The cat says, oh, that's disgusting, Mom. Oh, Dad. <laughs> they know Mom and Dad love each other. They, they know Mom and Dad can handle a crisis. We've had to all four hold hands when we have something, and we just pray, okay, we're a little family. Uh, we're going through this little turbulence. And, and we're just going to stick together and work this out. We're just, we're just going to have to do it. And it's going to take everybody's cooperation. And I love that brokenness that comes in that unity. I don't know what my kids are going to do. I don't know. But I do know that I, it is my responsibility to, to, to make the Christian home as attractive as I can for them. And hopefully they'll make the right choice based I know everything I tried. I don't want to have to regret that and say my son was not, wants nothing with a Christian home because I didn't do my job. We show them unity. We show them structure, Christian structure. Mom, you have so much to do in here. You have the biggest role to play. I'm sorry, but that's just the way it is. Keep your place. Keep it. God will bless you for you are not less of a person by realizing that you are not the head of the household. That God calls you to submit and to support and to be a help. Not a head. Not a second head, but a help. Again, what I'm telling you is stuff I deal with in my ministry. Things, this is what the reality of things. Let's keep the Christian home strong and holy. And that's all I've got. Let's stand Amen. Turn this thing off. Okay, it's not turning off. Okay, it's turned back on. Oh, thank you. I like that better. Did I tell you about my hot mic moment? No bueno. Dismiss us, brother.